The True Money Show is to people's love of fiat currency what Van Helsing was to Satan's love of Dracula. Dire Straits down a little bit. Hello, everyone. You still got to rock and roll a little bit. Welcome to the True Money Show. I'm back. Been gone for a while. I had to take a long break for the trading in the market week. I'll tell you more about that in a minute. Well, anyway, this is the True Money Show. I am David Simpson coming to you from the Crusade Channel, last live radio station stand-in. I have a telephone number you can use if you'd like to speak to me, 844-527-8723. I have a guest on today. You might want to talk to him. If you want to use the number then, you can do that. By the way, he is a true blue crusader. You see him in the chat room at times. You see him, uh, you hear him calling into Mike's show in the morning. So, um, you know, maybe a guy you want to talk to today. Besides, he's got some good info to put out. Send me this... um, he sent me an outline of kind of what he wanted to talk about, and uh, it was so good, I didn't have to prepare questions. I could just write them on the side like, oh, okay, let's talk about that. Yeah, yeah. So I can't wait to talk to Farmer Dan, Farmer Dan Monday, and apparently he was up at the uh, Crusader Caravan event uh, at St. Benedict Center with Brother Andre and all those guys, so um, probably has some war stories to tell, too. Uh, you want to know uh, how else you get in touch with me? Let's see. Uh, the email is always open. The email. That's, um, oh, I, I need to get that new one out. What is that one? Oh, yeah. True Money Show at CrusadeChannel.com. If you want to use the old one, you still can. David at TFFCO.com. Either one of those can be used if you'd like to um, send me that, that fancy dancy email that says, Dave, add me to the announcement list. All you got to do is, to, is type in David at TFFCO.com or True Money Show at CrusadeChannel.com and say, Dave, add me to the announcement list, and I will then send you an email whenever I'm doing a live broadcast and have a guest on or whatever or both. Uh, I won't send you an email if I'm not going to be in here. You, there's also the chat room, and, and there's nearly three dozen Crusaders in there right now. Still, this late in the day, midweek, hump day, um, there are three, nearly three dozen people in there just, just becoming friends loving the crusade, passing along advice, making witticisms, doing all the things you'd expect in a chat room, putting up memes, I didn't even say that, doing all this stuff. And um, anyway, you want to join them, you go to uh, crusadechannel.com forward slash chat, and you can join the crusade chat room. And I hope while you're there, you'll notice the little dollar symbol there in the far right-hand side. Yeah, I'm begging for money. I don't care. Look, I'm a financial advisor. I can do that. That's what I do. Um, You just click the little dollar sign in the far right of the message, where the message bar is, and you can make a a contribution, and it helps keep this chat room open and alive. You know, it takes a lot of money to run this uh, crusade. And, um, well, we'd like to have a little bit more laying around, just to throw around on things like chat rooms. So do that if you can while you're in there for me. Make the True Money Show a contributing factor of the uh, the Crusade Channel. 
Let me tell you what I got coming up on this fantastic edition of the True Money Show. Um, if I have time, this is probably where I run out of time, and I always run out of time at the end of the show, but I've got a real-life case for you, another real-life case. I've done these before. Uh, I'm going to tell you what happens when real life hits a real-life case. You can also call this segment of the show, I've got it all, now what? I- I've never had that problem, but I have clients who have that problem. I've got it all, Dave. Now what do I do? Uh, I, you know, I couldn't. Fi- I could not find a good story to do this day in money history. So I'm just going to do a few birthdays in money history today. Hope that doesn't bother you, but it actually will help because it'll keep the show or, or keep that segment shorter. And I won't. Maybe won't run out of time today. Who knows? Have you inherited? Now you answer this honestly. Have you inherited money quirks? Have you inherited bad ideas? Maybe from your grandparents or your parents, or you just kind of feel like something's wrong in your, in your money life because of the way you just think about it. And maybe, just maybe, that came from your ancestors. Ancestors. Um, what do you think? There was an article about that. I'm going to cover it, but I'm kind of breeze through it. I do want to. I do want to talk though that there. I think there's something to that. I really do. In my financial thought of the day, I'm going to talk about fortunes and fortunates. Fortunates, A-T-E-S. I don't know why I had to name that Fortunes and Fortunates, but I think you'll get the idea when I get there. And then there's lots of crypto news. Crypto's in the news. And I'm going to cover a little bit when I do my financial weather report. And again, a brand new guest today, but kind of brand new. People, A guy you know and a guy you trust and a guy you love. So um, we'll be looking forward to talking to Farmer Dan at the bottom of the hour here. Let me give you my financial question of the day before I go right into that, uh, you know, that old financial weather report and kind of stuff. The question of the day is this, and I got one response in the email bag, but that's enough because it'll give me something to, to use as a foil when I make my own comments and commentary at the end of the show on this question. What have you added, I guess I should say, if anything, what have you added already to create greater self-sufficiency? And the reason I ask the question is just in case there's a major calamity in America. It sure seems like it's lining up that way. And then if you haven't done anything, or even if you have, maybe a secondary question is, what is on your agenda? Do you have any plans to become more self-sufficient? You're listening to the True Money Show on the Crusade Channel, uh, last live radio station standing, coming from the Bulldog Kia Studio. I want you to consider, really try to keep all of our sponsors in, not only in your, uh, in mind, like when you go check out our website, crusadechannel.com, but also in your prayers. You know, it's going to become harder and harder and harder to do business in an honest and moral and ethical way, because let's face it, doesn't look like the world wants that kind of stuff. And so when they support a good channel like this, when they support good news like this, uh, they're going to come under fire. You know it, and I know it. And the only way they can stay in business when they're under fire is for good people to unite and go and use their products and services and buy things from them. So go check out Bulldog Kia. Um, help a Brista out here and uh, see if you're, if you're in the market for a car, at least give them the chance for your business. Okay, let's look at these um, 
at these market numbers in my financial weather report. So a little red, a little red ink today. The Dow Jones Industrial Average is down one hundred sixty-five dollars and eighty-three cents, or 0.58 percent. The price point is still so high, I'm not even going to mention it. The S&P 500 is down $23.33. The price on the S&P is 3488.6. That's down 0.66%. So most people lost between a half and, and eh, a half and two-thirds of a point there. Well, I, should, I said that, and now look at the other t- indices I'm covering. They lost less. Um, the Russell 2500 lost 0.25%, down $1.68. Price is $674.89. Overseas markets, look in the foreign developed markets, it's down 12 cents on the EFA index. That's 0.18%. And then the emerging markets is down point, uh, three, 31 cents or 0.67%. They, uh, the symbol there is Echo Echo Mike, and the price is $45.73. Uh, the only gainer on the day of the ones I'm covering here is the Ag Alpha Golf Golf, the aggregate bo- uh, bond index, uh, Barclays aggregate bond. It's up six cents or 0.06%, and the price there, my lord, $118.05. That's a lot for bonds. Um, you know, the flat number should be $100, and um, it doesn't shouldn't vary that much from there, but it, but it is these days. Um, all right. So I told you digital currencies are all the rage. I saw not one. Well, I wasn't really even looking. So just two stories came across my desk when I wasn't looking for stories about crypto. But the, the, the reason I decided to bring them up today in the Financial Weather Report is because I think it's a storm that I'm saying is coming to a town near you. Why do I say that? Well, by the way, not only is it coming to a town near you, I'm advising moving. Not physically moving. I mean contesting this thing. So here's the, here's the two stories. Solani Sardana of Reuters writes this title, The ECB, that's the European Central Bank, the ECB is looking, quote, very seriously at the creation of a digital euro, President Christine Lagarde says. Kind of a long title, but that was it. Uh, I'm not going to get into the articles themselves because I'm going to run out of time, and I want to get to Dan before, um, and I've got some other things to cover here. But that was the first article that came across my desk that I didn't even look for. And and then this one at news.bitcoin.com, it says this, and I might get into this one a little bit. Um, FedCoin. So we have EuroCoin coming and FedCoin. FedCoin, the U.S. will issue e-currency that you will use. Like I said, coming to a town near you, my recommendation, run away. So uh, this is the, uh, the, the the little, what, byline, I guess, uh, the, the, the subtitle, not really a subtitle, a little encapsulation of this article. The U.S. Federal Reserve will not only issue its own cryptocurrency, but will also make sure Americans use it. That's the prediction of currency guru Doug Casey. We've, had, we've talked about Doug before on the show, who has an uncanny record of being correct about economic and political trends. His latest book, Surviving FedCoin, How to Protect Yourself, blah, 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 is a public bet that the U.S. government will issue its own Bitcoin, which Casey views as the last arrow in its money quiver. Now, that's a pretty neat line. Um, I, Doug Casey and I are thinking alike here. I won't, I won't claim that I had first dibs on the thought. Maybe he did. But I told you guys, and I've told you over and over and over again, that they're going to bring us to the precipice of financial collapse and then tell you that the only way you can save your 401k and your IRA and everything else if you work for your whole life is to adopt the new currency. We used to think, and it was always uh, on the agenda, I believe, we used to think that um, 
that they were going to try to get, get uh, regional currencies, and they did with the euro, that they're going to get regional currencies first before they moved into the one world uh, currency, if you will. Now I think they're probably, they're probably just going to jump to one massive uh, cryptocurrency for everyone. And again, you must use it, they're going to say. Now, uh, again, under threat of what? Under threat of losing your life savings. And who wants to who wants to ditch those? Um, now, can can anybody protect you from this train? Well, not really. Or yes and no, maybe. And, and the first answer is, there's going to have to be a parallel economy, right? There's going to be a, a hidden parallel black economy. We call it what you want, uh, where people st- are still willing to use some medium of exchange that's not the crypto. Otherwise, everything you do is going to be taxed. Everything you do is going to be uh, traced, okay? And so I think we have to have that development of that thing. And I think it's going to happen naturally anyway because people, some people are just going to resist the idea of being in, in, in FedCoin. However, if you do get into FedCoin at all, I, I also heard yesterday talking to a friend that they're talking about having programmable money to the point where they can issue you FedCoin, let's say, into your bank account. Here's your payment for the week, dear slave. And by the way, you got 45 days to spend it or 90 days to spend it, and then it goes poof, gone. Uh, now, <laughs> you say, well, David, why, why would they do that? I mean, why can't we save money? And the answer I told him immediately was, well, that's going to have to happen because in this giant debt bubble they've created, they've got to have velocity of money. They've got to have money flowing to keep paying the bills. And so FedCoin or any Euro coin or whatever – Crypto allows them the ability to actually impose that type of regime upon you. So coming to a town near you, cryptos and the like, again, I recommend moving away. And what I mean by that is psychologically resisting, physically resisting, uh, with your money resisting, investing in hedges right now. Uh, We're going to talk to Farmer Dan in a minute about why you should start creating some more self-sufficiency for yourself, which adds to this whole idea that we can create a parallel economy. Guys, get on the bandwagon. Trust me, you need to do it. I know some people are going to still try to play this FedCoin, Bitcoin thing as a speculative investment, and I'm not going to tell you not to, but I'm going to say whether you do that or not, you better start thinking about how you survive in a world where all currencies control, and I'll talk about why that matters later in the show. If you'd like to call into the Crusade channel, last live radio station standing, you have your chance. Just pick up the phone. Uh, Before I go to Farmer Dan, I want to give you my financial thought of the day. It's from Mark Twain and Charles Dudley Waymer, The Gilded Age. Quote, it's another of father's fortunes, I suppose, said Ruth. He has put away so many fortunes for us that I'm afraid we shall never find them. (laughs) Close quote. It's another of father's fortunes, I suppose. He has put away so many fortunes for us that I'm afraid we never shall find them. Stockpiles, right? That's my financial thought of the day. Dan and I are going to talk about this a little bit. 
we've all built them, right? We've all said, hey, I'm going to build uh, this big castle of stuff, and then I'm going to watch it, right? And it's going gonna, it's gonna to be my savior. It's going to be my salvation. But then as we watch the big pile of stuff, it started to rust or dissolve or go stale or disappear or, or maybe you used it. You know, it would be funny, really, but for the fact that the motive that we were trying to do, protect others, protect our family and others, or help our neighbor, or the outcome, this, mispl- this misplaced faith in things, it would be funny if it weren't for those two things, right? Look, I don't know if there's anything wrong with building a fortune. I would never sit, tell that to somebody. But, I, but please, please, please have the sense to know on what to spend it, why to spend it, when to spend it, maybe even when to use it in a grand cause. Otherwise, you're just going to say, where in the world did I put that fortune anyway? It seems to have disappeared on me. I can't find it anymore. Well, that's my financial thought of the day anyway. All right, so... 844-527-8723. Again, don't forget to go visit our sponsors. And I will tell you this, as always, you know, my church goes on a grand mission, taking the crusade cross country. And somehow or another, the crusaders back home, those supposed to be, you know, keeping the home fires burning, <laughs> they let the fires go out. Um, here, we got, listen, we got lots of, lots of holidays coming up. This is the time where you could really make the uh, Founders Trading Post buzz by checking in and buying any and all wares that Mike has posted there so the crusade can be, what we like to say in the financial business, solvent, solvent. Uh, no, he's not going broke tomorrow, but also whenever he leaves, I always know that the, that the material purchases go down, the listing goes down. When he comes back, you know, when he comes back he's got to build the audience back up again. Everything seems to go kaput because I don't know why, but somehow or another the Crusaders think, hey, Mike's off, I'm off. Doesn't work that way. Mike's off, you're on. So come on. As we say here and only here, help a Brista out. Go check out the Friend's Trading Post and look at Mike's latest wares. There's some $5 deals in there, and you need to get the bumper stickers so that way when you're flying our colors, whatever, whatever ones you pick, people will ask you about it, and we'll start building the crusade even more, and all of it won't be resting on your shoulders. We'll start sharing, sharing the, uh, the struggle. All right. I am so happy to have my new guest here, who's going to be a regular, I think, and um, because I've met Farmer Dan. He came, he came down to Louisiana one time, and we were helping Mike do one of his barbecue uh, cook-off things, and um, was a great, great guy, great person to visit with. Uh, it was funny, because I'm sitting there trying to crank this generator, and Farmer Dan walks up, and he says something to me, and I like I recognize the voice from this show, <laughs> but I couldn't place the voice with who, with what name it went with. He's like, it's Dan Mundy. I'm like, oh, hey, buddy, how you doing, man? And so we, got a, we had a good time chatting and getting to know each other, and... Um, well, anyway, this son of a gun, I don't know why he decided he had to do it, but he thought he had to throw me a turkey or two over several holidays and just like loaded me up with just an unbelievable amount of sustenance for my, myself and my family. Just a, a wonderful, generous act. And I was like, man, you don't, you're killing me here. Uh, so, but Dan has done uh, what I think too many of us are scared to do, which is um, basically learn how to do things the old ways, build things from the ground up, get your hands dirty, quit sitting behind chairs like I do and staring at computer screens for a living. Um, Dan's got out there in the ground and, and wears boots and stuff. And I, I just said, you know what? 
I've had what Joel Salatin on. I've had um, oh gosh, my other uh, Jason Matthias. I've had uh, you know multiple people on here who talk about you know getting back to basics and getting back to nature and these kind of things. And Dan Dan said, Dave, you know we ought to have a, a practical. Here's how you do it, get it done type of thing. And so I'm going to start a series with Dan to do this. So I'm happy and pleased to welcome to the show Farmer Dan. Farmer Dan, how are you doing, brother? Brister Simpson, sir. How are you? Undeserved praise, but uh, I'll take it for now. Hopefully uh, hopefully this will inspire some people. We got to, you know, this is the good family to, we're sort of speaking to the choir a little bit here, but... Uh, but, yeah. you know, it's, 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 it's hopefully maybe some things we'll talk about will inspire. And if people have some feedback, that's, and it's positive. Yeah. And, well, and they want to talk about some specific things in the future. I mean, some might will say I'm a subject matter expert, and some I'll try to moderate a conversation. Yeah, well, by the way, I, your your outline was fantastic. I normally have to spend, you know, a good half an hour to an, or maybe sometimes up to two hours uh, looking through somebody's website and looking through maybe something they've written or whatever else and make notes and then make questions out of that and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I saw your this thing and I said, man, he just, he just took a load off of me. I can just write on the margins here what I want to talk about on each topic. So uh, you really helped me out, Brista. Thank you. Well, I'm just kind of, you know, trying to get my own thoughts together as well. You know, you, you you think about these things a lot because you live it, and then uh, when you when you come to have to talk about it, you say, "Well, well, wait a minute! I had like twenty things in my head. And I can only think of none of them." <laughs> you know. Well, you know, but, but it's I can tell. I, I think you've done more than thought about it. Just from, and, and I'm not I'm not just blowing smoke here. I, I looked at this thing and I said, "Wow, you know, Dan is actually meditating deeply on this thing." I can just see that it's not. Um, gosh, I wouldn't call it a, I wouldn't call it a job. I wouldn't call it an activity. I wouldn't call it a hobby. I wouldn't call it seems like you're like, man, uh, if you want to get into this thing, you got to get down to the roots and you really got to the root of it. I thought, well, I appreciate that. I think I'd, I'd love to say I have lived up to everything we're going to talk about. It's a lot. Some of it's still work in progress, but, uh, you know, I mean, the reality is I, I, I still have a career and a full-time job and, it's not that it hasn't been good to me, and I haven't enjoyed a lot of it and had the privilege of having it let me travel places all over the world that I probably never, ever otherwise would have gotten. Yeah. But, uh, you know, way back when I was high school, and I had actually had a decision to make. Do I go do I go to a school for agriculture, or do I go become a some old engineer? And as it turns out, being an engineer <laughs> helps fund the loss you have for farming. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's one of the things I want to talk about. So I wasn't sure what your status was right now, and now that I know, so we're going to, we're going to bring that topic up about a divided life, a little bit of a, of a divided life, and what that means to both the, the farming side and the uh, salaried side, let's call it. And uh, mm-hmm. But I, I want to start with this. So you put at the end of your outline, most important, make friends with your neighbors. Lone rangers do not survive. Now, I think everybody that I've had on the show that on this topic has said kind of the same thing, that there really is no purely self-sufficient person like you're going to need you're going to have to have some codependencies here and the best ones you want are people you know and you love and you trust um so you know i, I think that's one of the one of the things that the, the crusaders kind of bemoan like one of the things we're so upset about is we have this internet family but we all live you know two thousand miles from each other um it would be nice. So, so your recommendation on, on getting to know your neighbors, I mean, is it just looking, literally walking next door? Or are you talking about go to the farmer's market and then you make an acquaintance and then you go, oh, then, oh, then you find this farmer. Then you say, oh, there's a guy who does repairs. Uh, like, how are you talking about neighbors? Are you talking about true knocking on doors? Or are you talking about making the relationships over time in your community? 
Well, for, for me, it wasn't really knocking on doors, I can tell you quite honestly, other than my, my sister who lives next door, and we live in a, a fairly rural area. Most people right immediately are having you know, three acres or more. You know, we, we have 35, you know, but it's in the back. You know, there, there's houses that have developed along the front. But, you know, I know who they are. We've met, but uh, um, most of my, when I, when I say I've gotten to know my neighbors, had to do with, Oh, uh, when my children were young and getting into 4-H and, and meeting people, you know, of a like mind and doing things like I was doing, not to the extent that we're going to talk about, but, you know, that they, they have a more agrarian mindset, mm-hmm. and becoming a 4-H leader and then eventually running the county fair and building a new fairgrounds for 15 years, and then uh, uh, I have I have stepped away from that because there are other things that I want to devote my attention to, but that's... You start to get, you know, you start to make the contacts, and I still have them, you know, where I, where we have interdependencies, you know, where I do, you know, I, I can't begin to try to grow and do everything I want and maintain a, 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 a job. Right. So, you know, where, I, where I'll go buy hay and where I'll, you know, who I'll go sell chickens to and, and you know, people that make contacts. I mean, some of my best contacts of late have been the local wineries because they, uh, Attract a certain crowd, not necessarily that are going to be helpful, but they but they they'll, they attract customers. You know, yeah. people come there and they're foodies and they want to drink wine, and you know you start putting up flyers and talking to people, and then all of a sudden they want to buy chickens and and some pig and uh, occasionally a lamb if I can get them sold. It's hard. Lambs are hard one in this country. It's not uh, not as uh, well uh, distributed or well known to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know that's kind of where you know, it's worked out for me. Where I've been able to, you know, make make friends with the guy at the feed store, and you know, the guy who fixed does still fix tractors and stuff like that. I mean, I, I like to think I can do everything, but I know that that's not true. Doesn't mean I necessarily can't, but the reality is there just isn't enough hours to do everything. Yeah, and some people can do it better, and they can do it faster. Right. And, you know, total integration and trying to maintain something like Mike often says, you know, yeah, well, we can live under a benevolent 14th century king, but I still want running water and electricity. Yeah. So, you know, try, trying to fit that whole lifestyle together. Let's face it, when they're out in the frontier, you know, and, you know, maybe they did actually buy an axe and a plow that they didn't make. But when they're out there, I don't think they were busy trying to make prepared mustard for their, you know, for their meat because, you know, there wasn't time for those yeah. kinds. Well, you made some great suggestions, though, because people say, well, David, you know, where do you make these acquaintances or where, you know, and, and by the way, I'm a little bit more of a, ooh, I don't know, you might, I'm not, I wouldn't call it a recluse. Um, I like to make friends slowly. Let's put it that way. Now, I lose, I don't, I lose friends so slowly, too, but I, but I guess it's a, an issue of I got to, you got to earn my respect and trust and I'm, and you, and I'm going to earn yours. So, but anyway, 4-H, county fairs. Farmers markets. Yeah, your, 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 your local board of agriculture again. You know, it doesn't mean necessarily you're you're going out to become a whole hog homesteader or a farmer. But if you want to make, and you know, Salton referred to this, and it, it's it's true. You know, you make friends with that farmer. But you know, if you're going to do a little bit more, if you're going to say, I want to get some chickens or I want to get a goat or something, well, you're not likely. Most people are not likely to suddenly start you know bailing their own hay or you know, yeah. growing a yeah. acre of corn to feed them. So you're going to want to, you know, yes, you, you can go out and buy everything at, you know, at your at your tractor supply chain store or something. But the reality is, again, is that 
Now you really are your pet and a hobby, and I'm not saying that's not a good thing. I'm saying it's not practical if you want to get into the kind of lifestyle that we're talking about. Okay, so we're going to get to that. So, But those were places that you can find. We were talking neighbors a little bit, guys. So if you're looking yep. for your neighbors, you know, you got your 4-H, your county fairs, your farmer's markets. You can call a guy like Dan. You can call Salatin. Those are, they'll, they'll be friends to you. They'll help you. I know they will because they're good men. And there's and you mentioned feed stores. I, I kind of forgot about that. So I, I go buy feed for my chickens, you know. Um, to supplement them grazing in the grass and and yeah the feed store that guy is always so helpful he's always got from you know uh anything i had like if i had problems with my plants he's told me how to solve that problem you know the best way to get rid of the rats and mice out of the feed areas uh whatever he's always helpful and a great source of information and he's been around forever he knows everyone in town too so um yeah and even like you said you put in a few fruit trees and stuff in the back and you, know, you might start seeing things over Somewhere there's got to be a guy close by that's got an orchard. You know, I, I guarantee if you went up and caught him on a day when he's not too too busy and you want to have the conversation, because I, I, you know these are the kind of people that we love to love to talk to you about it. All right, so let's so let's back up, former Dan, and I'm talking to Dan Money. You're listening to the True Money Show, and if anybody's asking, I will. I'm, let me let me stop this. Let me cut this off of the past. This is a financial topic because <laughs> because I believe production is a financial topic, and we have gotten so far removed from producing anything ourselves that, that is just dangerous, guys. We live on the on a razor's edge of being starving every other minute if the supply chain got shut down, and and nobody seems to think it's important to know even know how to do some of these things, and. So so I like to talk to my clients about going to the very basics and saying, can you support yourself? And if you can't, what systems, what pl- plans, what anything do you have in place to make amends for that? So, Dan, let's talk to you about your, you gave us a bit of your background, but go ahead and give us a little bit of your background so everyone can get a sense of who you are, where you came from, because I don't want them to think that you were just the perfectly made farmer from you know, out of birth when you came out of the birth canal, nor do I want them to think that uh, you're, you're just a, a huckster who says, I have no idea what I'm doing. So kind of give us a background on how you got to where you are. Okay, yeah, I, 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 you know, that, I gave you that in the outline. It wasn't to, you know, to talk about me, but I think it's kind of important because it's kind of molded me who, who I am and why I am the way I, I think and stuff. And, and uh, I'm sure there's a lot of people are going to have a similar story, but, you know, my, my, my you know, I guess I'm a I'm 58 years old. Matter of fact, I'm one, almost exactly one month older than Mike. And I was actually born on 12th night. I was born the 6th of January. Hmm. So, uh, but I have a so, you know, late middle-aged professional. I am an engineer. I've done nothing but work in factories all my life. All I do is make things. I've made baby diapers. I've made toothpaste. I've made mouthwash. I've made laundry detergent. I've, I've made feminine hygiene products. I mean, I've done all kinds. Of, now I'm making dog food. But it goes parse and parcel with things. I make things. I mean, my family came to New Jersey from England in 1638. So we, you know, depending on your, your bent on things, we're originals. Some people get offended when I say that because we're not aboriginals. But we've been here a long, long time until a bunch of other people moved in and kind of messed the place. <laughs> and, you know, my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, was the last one on, on a farm. He had four brothers. And, of course, you know, was being the fourth brother, he was, or had three brothers. Being the fourth brother, he went out and started his own business. So, you know, in my tenure, tenure in the family, you know, I, all of my family had their own business. My paternal grandfather had a pattern-making business, which is a dead, dead trade in art. People don't even know about it anymore. Anything that was cast was made out of wood first. Okay. Uh, the grandfather came from Germany. He was a tool and die maker. My stepfather had a trucking business. So that, that's what we did. And you know, I, I, only, I say that, you know, that's not unusual. People, well, we, a lot of people have family businesses. I, I just remember as a kid growing up, when people come in and say, oh, yeah, I couldn't get my homework done because the dog ate. Well, I couldn't get my homework done because, you know, my stepfather come roaring in at 2 o'clock in the morning with a 
a truckload of stuff, and, and, you know, he was the kind of guy, well, I got the truck, but I got three other pallets or something else to go someplace else and make money, so we, you know, we back, pick up and get this pallet off and get that pallet off, and he'd go roaring off, you know, and then we go back to bed and then get to right. up, feed the animals and go to work. So, you know, but I think that, that the people who taught me, my stepfather, a number of people that I worked for, you know, the I think about finally, because they're all gone now, uh, they were actually people who never got out of the Depression, some in a bad way and some in a good way. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But it was a, it was a mindset of thinking, and I you know I absorbed it. You know I, why I did I don't know, but I absorbed it. And and ultimately, you know, my first vocation is agriculture. It always has been. But you know that that all sounds good when you're young, and you know I, 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 when I when I found my wife, uh, I don't know if I told you that story or not. She actually was my ballroom dancing teacher. Oh, very nice. She was, she, she was involved with somebody, and I was involved with somebody. And, and, uh, you know, ultimately we became involved and, and, and I remember I, I took her up and I, I, she wanted to, I taught her how to castrate pigs and she, she did it. And I said, okay, I, I, you, I, can't, I can't let, I can't let this one go. Oh man. You found she a winner. That. You found a winner there. She sticks a little pen knife there in the back. You got a winner, man. You know, it's, that's uh, awesome. That's, you know, that could also be kind of scary if you're a male, but anyway, but <laughs> uh, you know, as we know that we got some land and all that, but it, uh, I saw you tell you so I say a little, uh, that little outline, and, and there's a point to it. So you have to try, you know, you're young, you're starting these things, you're going to have kids, you have to define it. What is it? The first thing I kind of list is things that have formed me. Was, it was called, the show called The Good Life, and in the U.S. it was called Good Neighbors. It was a BBC comedy in the mid-'70s. And it was all about, it was very popular. It ran for like, you know, for their seasons, or, you know, only so many episodes. There was like four or five years, yeah. which is a long-running show for them. They, uh, it was it was all about a guy who had a do nothing job in in London and working with his his uh, friend who was moving up in the company and rich next lives next door and he finally said one day I don't want to do this anymore and his wife agreed and they sold the car and they bought a rototiller and they plowed up the back and front yard in the middle of their little suburb patch and got pigs and chickens and the whole story is a comedy about how they tried to become self sufficient. In, in a suburb well, of London. Was it, was it as uh, ridiculous, I mean, intensely ridiculous as like uh, Green Acres on our side? It, 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 it wasn't, no. It, it wasn't funny like that. They actually, as I, I would recommend to people who haven't seen it that they look it up because even though it was very funny and they have a lot of funny incidents, the, 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 the things they present are like, well, yeah, you know, if you're going to make electricity and, you know, you build a generator well, yeah, that uses dung to power it, I mean, yeah. you know, they go through a flood that, Knocks the heck out of everything after right after he hurt his back, so they got to harvest it. Now what do you do? And and trying to find people. I mean, there are actually things that that like you know, even though it's it's unrealistic, the the, the challenges presented to them are actually really really very very good. And it's the beginning in, in the first episode when they're dancing around, you know, that night, and then they wake up their neighbors. What's the matter with you? So, We've discovered, it. and it was you know them going off on this little journey. So if you want to have a little like lighthearted look at, at what you can do what you know, what's involved really and the obstacles you might immediately, especially if you're in a, in an area that's you know more developed by people, I would recommend that. And it's, it's called you said it's called the, the good life? It was called the good life, uh, or I say, and it's in this story of yes, you know, BBC or on uh, the public television here, they called it Good Neighbors. But you look up, you look up BBC the Good Life, you can get it it's all over YouTube. You can watch it for free. All right, let me ask you. So let me back up one second though, because I want to get back to so. I want to talk generationally. And by the way, you brought up a topic. I'm talking to Dan Mundy, Farmer Dan, we call him, uh, a, cru- a crusader at large and uh, lives up in New Jersey and, and just a, a wonderful guy that somebody, by the way, Paul in the chat room says, I love listening to Dan Mundy, just like listening to Franklin Sanders, full of practical wisdom. So you're getting some props there, Mr. Oh, Mundy. Thank you, um, thank you Paul. 
So, um, uh, so I'm going to bring this up later in the show about money quirks we've learned from our parents or grandparents. And you talked about grandparents going through the Depression and some came out good, some bad. And I know exactly what you mean, by the way, because uh, I deal with clients in, from in both sides of that arena. Uh, it's really hard to shake the Depression out of them, by the way. It is nearly impossible. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Think, you know, when your grandmother makes you two little sausage patties that are literally about the size of a quarter when they cook down and you get that with an egg for breakfast, and she looks at you and says, that's enough meat for anyone. Yeah, it is hard to shake that out of people. So, But I wanted to ask you, so, so after that uh, grandparent generation, the next generation sounds like, or even, or even towards that generation, into that generation, they started the divided life, I'm going to call it, which is working at what we might just call the salary job or the employee job, as you do now as an engineer, and then, but having these attachments to agriculture. So tell me, how does that, how does that work and how have you found it to work or does it not work and what recommendations do you make in, in either direction, like how to step out of the salary job or you go, hey, no, uh, don't go into farming full-time, you can't. Like, what do you say to somebody Let's just say somebody came to you who was going to do the good life. Hey, Dan, I'm cutting out, dude. I'm going to be one of the. I watched the show, and now I'm ready. <laughs> and you go. And you're going to. You're going to tell them what? I'm going to tell them that if they don't have an intrinsic love for it, that they should keep it small. And and we can, you know, there's other things we can talk about or what you can do to try to you know prepare yourself a little bit. But you you can't treat it like a hobby. Because, you know, if you're, li especially since I, you know, I, I, I do raise animals, I mean, you, you, you know, you can't wake up in the morning and say, I don't feel like feeding them today. Well, yeah. You, you, you just can't. And, and you know, it, it sounds, well, of course, who would, who would, oh, I wouldn't treat anything like that. Well, believe me, you know, and people say to me, like, it's the same thing. Well, how do you eat what you raise? You know, I'll, I'll give you, here's the answer I give everybody. When you're, you know, eight, nine years old and there's a knock at the door and there's a police officer and he says, Two o'clock in the morning. Is that your cow on the road? It it yep. it kind of it kind of wakes up. So uh, what, I, what I'm going to say to you: if you have the kind of you know if you're in you know your career is your is what defines you. I was told recently that you know your 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 farming defines you, and that's true. It defines me. If it's not something that's going to at least partially define you, and you're going to understand that that level of commitment is beyond the fact that you got a gerbil for your kids and they ended up not feeding it, you are. <laughs> Uh, then, that you, then you need to keep it small. And, and I understand there's a number of things that we get that far today, I mean, that you can do that don't necessarily mean you have to go out and raise tomatoes and pigs. I mean, there's yeah. a lot of things you can do that can provide you not only income, but also tradable goods and also things that, that you can offer and, and get into a network. And I have later on there, I said, when I say, you know, start, you start a co-op. And I don't mean co-op like, you know, the, like uh, the traditional type of a co-op, which was more of a money management thing, one based on subsidiarity and solidarity. Mm -hmm. and, and they do exist. They do exist. So, I think more co-op is more of a financial arrangement. And, you know, there are good things out of it. But uh, anyway, All right. that's, hey. what I, that's what I would say to somebody. I mean, that, that, that's something, you know, you almost really have to say that that's, gonna, that's become my hobby. Well, I, but I also, I also like the, you can't feed it like one. Well, I also like the, the alternative though, and it's not a, it's not a yes or no. So I, I think I heard you say, correct me if I'm wrong, that yep. if you, um, are more defined, let's say, say by your, your career, whatever that is right now, but you go, but I have a hankering for some self-sufficiency. You just say scale down. That just means go smaller, pick something manageable that might be somewhat hobby-esque, but not purely hobby. Uh, because that's the only way you're going to be able to, to manage both things. Is that correct? 
That is correct. I mean, you know, maybe, maybe you'll find out that you know, if you're somebody who likes to cook or bake, you know, some, maybe you can be the one that becomes the baker in the little village that we have to set up when everything else falls down. And you, you know, you, you can. I mean, that's an example. You, you could, you, you know, maybe, and then you can go to farm markets and sell that stuff or, or, or stuff like that, or the pie maker, or, or, you know, I mean, it's just simple. Oh, you can be the guy who fixes automobiles and stuff. But I'm just saying there are things from from the point of view of being able to uh, be part of of a, of a We'll call it a trade society. Yeah, that that, that way, you know, you're, you're going to have a, a, a self-sufficient group of people, mm-hmm. association of people, where there's there's things like that, you know, value-added things you can do with with other people's products, sure. perhaps. So, that, that you, you, of- you know, you're talking about being married to it, and boy, are you. I, I think I told the story before. You may have even heard it, but um, so I was at my – we were having like a 4th of July, I think. I think it was something in the summertime at my house, and, um, you know, we it was getting nice. Dan, I mean, the guitars came out. The beer was flowing. You know, I, I was I was damn near getting where I enjoyed myself, you know. <laughs> and all of a sudden, one of my best friends says, okay, I got to go. And I'm like, what, dude? What are you doing? What do you mean you're leaving, right? And he's like, I got a milk cow, man. Oh. Yeah, I remember, I, I remember you said that. I remember that story. I remember you told us. And, and I'm like, oh, you he goes, dude, you cannot leave that thing alone any longer than I already have. I got to go pull on her. You know, <laughs> it's a, we're we're yeah. done. Uh, so yeah, it's a de- it's a real deal. Yep, and you know, I'm, I'm, you know, people say, well, how do you get away? So I'm, I'm fortunate that that you know, I do have a son. He's now he's now 31 years old, but you no, know, he's close by. And I say, hey, I can, can you come do this? I'm gonna, like like you know, my wife stays with her mother because she's elderly. And, you know, I went up to, to the uh, St. Benedict Center. I was like, hey, son, can you take care of the farm for a couple of days? Sure, Dad. You know, so, you know, those are other things you might cultivate with other people, too. And, you know, you can trade that off. You know, they might want to go somewhere, too, and you can take care of take care of some things for them. And, again, it's not necessarily animals. Maybe they need you to watch their garden because it's yeah. in a peak time. They were going down the shore for a long weekend, you know. Can you make sure the tomatoes get picked and stuff? You can have a few, you know what I mean? That, yeah. It's the kind of stuff you work out with people. All right, eight four four five two seven eight seven two three. I'm David Simpson here on the True Money Show, talking to Farmer Dan Mundy, who uh, I brought in because you know I do think one of the things we lack more than anything else, because everybody's got ideas, guys. We all have ideas, and boy, they're grand and they're awesome. I mean, and I'm not knocking them. I mean, you're supposed to dream a little bit, right? But you know, when the dream never turned into the scheme, and the scheme never turned into reality, well, then. You know, then I think we're just kind of blowing smoke, maybe. Uh, and so, you know, Farmer Dan told me, he said, Dave, how about some practical tips for homesteading and self-sufficiency? I said, you're on, uh, because I want to hear from a guy who's doing it, and he can say, and here are some suggestions, or, you know, recommend watching a show. I mean, who would have told you to watch a, a, a comedy, a semi-comedy, to uh, kind of get some tips on if you're even having this dream or scheme? Uh, so, Dan, Dan, and I'm, I'm going to walk down your outline, so... So seriously, I will get – what's going to happen, guys, is I doubt we're going to finish it. So we're going to go as far as we can go, and then we're going to kill it, and then we're going to bring bring Dan back in a month or so, and we're going to, we're going to do some more of this. Uh, we got about two minutes before i got to take a break. So, Dan, you, you started talking about this, but I wanted you to see – I wanted to see if there's anything more I can press on it, which is you said you made the life. And so I wanted to kind of ask, did you – like dream up what you wanted to achieve and then you went after it? Or are you talking about like you, uh, you you built into your life what you wanted to be there just by sheer determination? What what, what was that? What did that mean, made the life? Yeah, well, it, it is a little of both, but primarily we made the decision early on that we were going to at least homestead and do a certain amount of farming. I mean, you know, growing up, 
uh, we did have a, you know, my, 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 my one grandmother had some property and I was farming that and my stepfather had his place nearby and we had a roadside stand. And I mean, so I, we were doing all this stuff or I was doing all this stuff, you know, when, when my wife came on the scene and, and she was into it. She's the one who said, you got to watch the good life. She's the one who introduced me, introduced me to it. And that was kind of got us that we want to do this. So yeah, we, we went out then and bought our own land and we, and we started it. Now, I will say that the plan, you know, probably like, well, certainly wasn't as well-defined, or I look back and I said, yeah, that wasn't really realistic, what I was thinking about way back, you know, 35 years ago. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, that we built into it, and it, it did become more of a self-sufficiency mindset than it was in the beginning. The beginning was a little bit more of, well, you know, we you know, be like, you know, the farmer down the road and have this nice farm stand and maybe get some people to, you know, to buy a pig and it, it wasn't it wasn't anywhere near as defined as I, as I have it now and of course now I'm getting older I'm trying to get a lot catch up on things that I wish I had built into it earlier yeah but uh, that's why I say to people you know if you're you know you're a little bit younger and you want to get into this you know, there's a couple of good resources that you can look at I mean I sent you that uh, that book called the have more plan from the 40s which is uh, I, I gave it to Mike I, I love to him get, get it up on the website for people because there was a guy that I would assume he doesn't really talk about it in his, in his little book that him and his wife, you know, they got out of the, he got out of the war and they started a family and he went up to Connecticut and bought a few acres and said, we can do all this. And, and it's a, one of the most practical small books I've ever had is you, you name what you might want to do in a homestead. He's got a chapter on it. All right. Well, let's hold that thought down. When we come back, we're going to talk about the difference, by the way. And this is what I like about Dan. He gives you the difference between homesteading and farming and everything else. He has a salad and a plan, the towns and plan. We're going to talk about all these things when we come back here on the True Money Show. Plus, I've got my normal list of things that I always do for you guys. So hang tight on the True Money Show Crusade Channel, last live radio station standing. meets opportunity, then you'd better start to prepare by tuning into the True Money Show. society, heavily influenced by others who thought they had it all figured out. Lately though, I've just been getting lost and honestly, I've never been happier. It seems the further I get from society, the less anxiety I feel. It gets worse every day. Problems here, there, everywhere. Eventually it just all blurs together and turns into noise. Fishing is just another way of escaping that reality. 
my friend. Welcome. So I was just happened upon, welcome back to the True Money Show. I am uh, David Simpson here on the Crusade Channel, last live radio station standing. I got a few announcements for you, but I wanted to just talk about this little blurb that I put up here from this. I, I, I went on to YouTube to load my normal sound bites and songs and whatever else. And I'll be darned if right there at the top of the YouTube list was this thing called Fishing for Food, Living the Van Life. You can look it up if you want. Um, and um, I'm not recommending or I, this is the first time I've ever seen it. I just saw it today. And, but I listened to that, that intro that she made. And so I clicked on it because I said, well, golly, you know, fishing for food, that might be part of the whole uh, homesteading campaign. Uh, I think you should have a pond on your land. And uh, so I, I clicked on it and I listened to it. And, you know, I think she's you know, got some pop psychology stuff in there, but I, I also think that maybe she's not wrong and maybe the world is wrong. In other words, if you say, hey, I'm leaving society because of um, whatever, social stress and, and, and anxiety, uh, whatever you call it, uh, maybe, maybe you're anxious and you have all the stress because it is wrong. And maybe this whole push to get back to nature is so deep within us that um, when we start to do it, we start to feel that peace. That's God's affirmation saying, yeah, that's where I want you, <laughs> more, more natural. Um, so let's not dismiss the pop psychology stuff that was kind of mixed in there too quickly. Maybe this, uh, what's her name, Hannah Strait, maybe Miss Hannah, Dr. Dr. Hannah Strait, whatever. I don't know where she's a doctor of, but doctor, maybe Dr. Hannah Strait is on to something. So we're going to get back to uh, Farmer Dan in just a second because uh, he's going to tell us whether maybe Dr. Hannah Strait is on to something. Before I do, let me just give you a little um, heads up. We've got, um, I went to uh, something you guys haven't been doing. I went to the Mike Church show, uh, MikeChurch.com, and just started looking around a little bit. And then I went to the Founders Trading Post, something, another, another thing you guys haven't been doing <laughs> lately. I'm just teasing, but come on, guys, get with the crusade here. And I said, what is Mike, what is Mike uh, pushing around these days? And, I, and then I came across, in 2009, the King Dude wrote, produced, narrated, and directed the quintessential film and audio features on the writing and ratifying of the U.S. Constitution. You know, I'm teaching a, a class to a bunch of high schoolers this year on American government economics. Maybe I'll pull some King Dude on them. Uh, you guys need these DVDs or digital downloads. It's an easy way to get yourself up to snuff on the Constitution, the ratification process, and how our government ought to be. It supports the crusade, and it shows Mike that you love him. Mike needs that. I need that. Come on, we all need that. Uh, be a true Brista. Help a Brista out here. Go to the uh, Founders Trading Post, and while you're there, pick up your coffee. Pick up all those things, those renewable things you need. Pick up your mug to drink it out of. All these things support the crusade while you have the chance. Um, you might not always have that chance. I hope we do, but we may not. We may not. And then right after my show, uh, the new Fiorella Files comes up, and um, Mike says this thing has just been uh, just a real blessing because it's such good radio. And um, we're trying to renew. That's another part of our crusade. It's just the idea of, of learning through listening but also loving to listen. You know, it's uh, kind of an art to you know, Mike has, it's a talent to be able to express yourself in a way that people want to listen. I don't know that I do that, but I try. Um, so let's, um, let's support the art that Mark, that Mike is trying to keep together, uh, by listening to the Fiorella Files and all the other shows we have here on the crusade. So <clears throat> let's get back to Farmer Dan. He was talking to us about, uh, you know, kind of how he made the life. And I asked him what that meant. He also tried to define it earlier. In other words, what your vision is before you jump into this thing. So, um, you know, 
Farmer Dan, you might back up a little bit and kind of give us what your initial vision was. You said it didn't quite work out that way, and maybe even maybe it's too fuzzy to begin with. Maybe it wrecked a few times. You had to take a few turns. Back up a little bit and give us that initial vision and then what it turned into be. And then let's start defining a little bit of these terms, like what is a homestead versus a farm or what self-sufficiency versus preparedness. Start jumping into some of these terms so when we use them, people know what we're talking about. Okay. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I, I think initially the vision was more of a traditional modern agricultural farm setup, where you know you're going to you're going to have a, a, a few crops, you're going to do them intensively, um, you're going to kind of fit into the mold of the community of what the local land grant college wants you to do, and things like that, and. It it, it 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 always, but for us, it always did kind of go back to, well, how much of this can we do ourselves, and how much of it, you know, you know the one thing people got to understand, and we were talking about that at St. Benedict Center, because I had brought some stuff up there, a lot of things and commodities that, that were growing and then go to big factories now and get produced for us to, to consume, we don't realize that, you know, you know we, we don't make all kinds of cheese because we like all kinds of cheese. I mean, we do. But it was a method of storing milk. Yogurt was a method of storing milk. Alcohol, as much as we like to drink it, is a method of storing corn. You know, that, that was, you know, you, you, you know, when, you, when, you know when apples came, well, you can do it all the apples. Well, you made vinegar and you made cider because they had other intrinsic values, like oh. the food preparation and stuff. So what I'm probably going to get a little off of what your question was, but what I'm trying to say is, we we kind of got into that first mold. Well, I'm going to plant a bunch of sweet corn, and then I'm going to sell that and tomatoes, and and you know we'll grow a couple animals, and 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 you know it'd be that traditional farm that we we seem to have thought of for the last thirty, forty, fifty years. And the more we got into it, the more we tried to do things ourselves. And it, it you know watching the good life, and we're starting to do a lot of other reading. I, mean, I was reading Joe Salatin's stuff back in the in the early nineties. Yeah. And it kind of, you know, then it kind of morphed from there into a little more of Joe's uh, um, uh, model, which is you know the, the the subscriber model, where you you have people that are are your regular customers, and and you're producing to them, and you're providing them a certain uh, amount of their staple on a regular basis, uh, and that got to be popular after a while. Well, let me, let me ask you this real quick, Dan. I want to clarify something just to make sure in my mind. We're, so your original vision was literally an all-in farm, like, you know, massive tractors, multiple. Yep. Okay. And, and, yep. and then you said, okay, that's going to require all these employees. It's going to require, you know, the fencing and the irrigation and the whatever. You started, you started kind of like, – I'm, I'm, I'm kind of reading into this intentionally. I'm being devil's advocate a little bit. Like, you know, tell me where I'm wrong. Um, and you started going, okay, wait, that's more than, that's more than I want? And so you started saying, okay, scale down. What is achievable for husband and wife? Is that what the goal then became? Uh, well, it became that. And then, you know, when, when, when we had children, children came along, and, and we started, you know, we actually moved more into the uh, uh, raising animals. from. Well, traditionally, we, uh, we started mostly doing, doing horticulture and raising vegetables and, and such things. When the kids came along, we went back, you know, we got more into getting animals. And you know, so now we've done kind of both sides of it. I mean, I, again, growing up, I did a lot of this, but I mean, it was never a primary vocation even when I was growing up. So you know, we were kind of searching for what we were going to, what we wanted to do, and I, I, I got, I got away from that, that, that whole 
uh, uh, factory method of, of how you, even though I work in factories, I, I yeah. understood it, that I, this is not the way I, I want it, it. It doesn't give me the satisfaction, nor does it yield for me the quality and the value of what we're trying to get out of it, whether it simply is what it, you're, we're getting and eating or what you're producing or what you're able to provide for other people. So we slowly morphed it more into a sustainability model and and then expanded expanded that from there. Then that's when you start taking your surplus and flogging it. You know, I got you. So 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 that's where so you listed for when you were quote unquote trying to define it. You listed the good life, which we talked about. Have more plan, which is that that booklet that you said we're trying to get, maybe get republished. That you talk, Joel South and materials, the Townsend plan. Uh, so you started reading, seeing, experiencing. Um, uh, maybe a, a what we might call more of a homestyle methodology, a homesteading methodology, and that did fit what you wanted to do. It did, and then like the Townsend plan, I say the Townsend plan. John Townsend is a guy out in Indiana who makes reproduction equipment and costumes and stuff for for uh, 18th and early 19th century reenactors, movies, and, and stuff like that. However, for the last 15 years almost now, you can find him on YouTube. Uh, he has produced uh, a number of series of how things were done or made or cooked or preserved in the 18th century. And he doesn't do it as a plan to show you how to go out and homestead. He just does it to show how things used to be done. And, of course, you know, Hawk is wares. But, you know, you want to start looking at things. Like, well, you know, what did they do before there was refrigeration? Yeah. Yet, full series, I haven't even watched the last one he did where he actually built a cabin and they made a homestead. I said, well, what, they, what would they have done if they had, you know, gone 25 miles, which would have been a long distance out into the next set of the wilderness, and what would they have done? You know, can, can you preserve eggs and salt? Do you, do you know how to pot meat? Mm-hmm. And they're very short little videos. I mean, you, you want to look at things, and I mean, they're very insightful, again into what you can do and how much you can use. That's the next part of something eventually we'll get into. You know, you, you waste nothing. And I think another big revelation for people, if you want to get into this, because you talked about, um, you know, how much do you want to devote to this, or, you know, if you, if you have a full-time job. And all. Another thing is, is a mindset you have to, to think about is you don't waste anything. Yeah. Yeah. First started raising pigs, my wife and I, and we, you know, we talked to some relatives. Oh, yeah, and one of her uncles. Oh, yeah, I'll buy the bacon and tenderloin. Well, yeah, I'll take the bacon and tenderloin, too. But, you know, there's a, there's a rest of an animal you have to deal with. Yeah. And you so well, I've never had that, or I don't know if I like that. Well, you know what? If, if, if preparedness and, 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 and thinking of, well, you know, the, the supply chain is maybe not as, as robust as we think it is, you better start learning to like it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, when I was a kid, and and again, I could probably do this if I was really in a pinch, but uh, but I haven't done it regularly since I was a kid. Uh, we'd go to my grandparents' house, and when we killed a pig, we called it cochon lay down here, which is a milk-fed pig, is what it means. And you and you and you roast it, you barbecue it, basically, put it on a spit and cook it all day. But but when we killed the, but we killed the pig, and then we boiled the water and poured it over the pig and scraped the hair off, and then we gutted the pig, and then we and I remember my grandmother taking the bowels out. And washing them, and then they stuff that with uh, with basically sausage meat or dirty rice sometimes, depending on what they wanted to make. Uh, but we were actually using the bowels of the pig. Um, yeah, it's still done today. When I make sausage, I do use natural casings. But, of course, there's a lot of artificial manufactured stuff that replaces it today. So, But, yeah, these are the kind of things, that, you know, is it ever going to get to that? Are you ever going to want to do that? 
It was like when my daughter first got her driver's license. I, we got back home, got in the driveway. The first thing I made her do was to change the tire. I made her change the tire. She said, oh, I'm never going to have to do this stuff or want to do this stuff. I said, I hope you always have enough money and you never have to. Yeah. But you know how to. Well, you know, it's and, funny, Dan, because just this, just this afternoon, I won't tell you what the project was, but I got one of my daughters doing something, and it was a complete... Uh, failure. I'll just call it a failure. I won't use any other words. And um, I'm like, okay, you know what? That's it. That is it. Every one of my daughters is out and outside with me on the weekends doing whatever I'm doing for the next month and a half or six months. I don't know how long it takes before I can say you guys have at least achieved some level of physical production. I mean, they're just inept. And it's my own fault. It's my own damn fault. Well, and, and, and uh, that's one of the reasons I think I did 4-H for so many years and I, I got into it was, uh, uh, I, I remember we went down the new fairgrounds, and, and I taught five or six kids to take two tire irons and be able to change a tire and put a tube in it because we had to fix the trailers the tires. I don't know if they'll ever do it again. I don't know if they'll ever remember it, but yeah. I'd, like, I'd like to think that, that it maybe put something in their minds that you can do these things, and there are ways to do them other than going and asking somebody else or paying somebody else. Well, like when I had, uh, I think it was Joel, or uh, it might have been, it might have been Franklin. Uh, I don't remember, but they said just try because in trying you're going to probably fail, but you're going to learn, and then you go, okay, don't do it that way next time. Just the, just the, just the sense of trying things. Uh, so Brian, Brian in the uh, in the chat room says, I just processed a pasture raised pig this weekend. Those pork chops were beautiful. So good for you, Brian. Uh, see, there are other crusaders doing this, and boy, what a benefit it is to have Farmer Dan or Brian or the friends we've made through our interviews with Franklin and uh, Joel Salatin and all these people. Um, you have resources, guys, that most people don't have. Uh, just because you're a crusader, and that's a big deal. It really is. I mean, I don't think Dan would say he'd like to do it all by himself again for 20 years and just figure it out by by uh, knocks and, uh, and and twist, right? Uh, wouldn't you like to have a mentor all along, Dan? Well, no, I, I, w- I was fortunate, as I said, that I, I had good people, not only in my, in my family, that, that knew how to work with their hands and had their own businesses, but, you know, I worked for, for 10 or 12 years when, you know, when I was in, you know, School up and through high school and even into college. You know, I had a, I had a guy. He had he had a farm. He raised pigs. He was also a contractor and a mason. So he taught me how to how to raise the pigs and, and raise corn. He also taught me how to uh, lay concrete blocks. So you know, and another gentleman, uh, you know, taught me how to repair small engines. He had an air. He had a you know a lawnmower repair business, and he was a friend of the family. And he said, "Come on, I'll teach you how to do this." And I worked for him part time fixing engines. So I was fortunate that I had these kind of people that were able to to impart this knowledge to me. And of course. I, I I I wanted to, you know. Yeah. There are some people who have, you know. I, I still struggle, Dave, with 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 things. You know, I, I look at people and it's like, okay, you pay somebody to mow your lawn, and then you go pay pay somebody else to let you go to a gym and run on a treadmill. I I, uh, I can't wrap my head around that kind of thinking. Well, I don't like to do this. Well, that again, but anyway, it's a side conversation. But it's that, it's that level of thinking that I don't understand those things. So sometimes it gets difficult for me. But we are talking to people who do understand that that man's right. I bet you those are going to be some of the best pork chops he's ever had. If he's never done it before, he's going to want to do it again because you're, you're, there's, there's no there's no comparison to what you. Can do. All right, so Molly, I'm going to have to task Molly with this job. Anything Dan says that sounds like a topic that we need to have a whole show on, you got to jot those down because I'm not smart enough to remember them, and I can't jot them all down myself when I'm over here. So that was one. Uh, why can't your exercise be your backyard where you're working your homestead <laughs> instead of instead of like he said, paying someone to cut your lawn and then running to the health club? Uh, that's a good one, Dan. I got to remember that one. Um, all right. So back to this outline because it was beautiful, and I know you guys don't have it. Maybe I can post it next time. On uh, I've made a whole lot of notes on it though. 
So I loved your differentiation between preparedness and self-sufficiency, and I realized that I'm apparently more of a prepper than I am self-sufficient um, because I've just hadn't had the time to do the things that I think are necessary for self-sufficiency. So I've done a little bit more probably prepping. But Dan, what is your distinction between prep and self-sufficiency? Okay, and I, I put that down there because I, I, obviously there's a lot of overlap between the two. And it's not that one is, is, is better or worse than the other because depending on your circumstances, I mean, let's face it, if, you, if you, your choice is to live in a large city and have that kind of career in life, you're not likely to be raising too many chickens. Right. On, on the other hand, you know, it's also been, you know, in, in, the, in the common pop culture and the stupid reality shows and all that, they've kind of made certain... You know, people have certain visions in their head of what, what it means. The way I kind of broke it down, I said, I said, preparedness, generally that's to reduce or mitigate the effects of a disaster. What does that mean? And if you do watch people, they actually have a disaster in mind, whether it's economic collapse, mm-hmm. EMP burst the sun. You know, I mean, they, they kind of zero in on one or two things that they go, you know, this is what I'm going to prepare for because I think this is the most likely thing that's going to happen. Sure. And it's directed towards specific events. I mean, there's no, you know, I'm going to prepare for everything. Okay, and I'm going to, you know, yeah, I'm going to live forever. Too. <laughs> um, uh, you know, there's often specific sets, you know, steps you take to offset specific circumstances, and it's often associated more with hoarding. And I don't mean that necessarily in, in a, in, you know, a negative connotation, but it's collecting and and having things. I mean, look look what they, you know, look at the commercial. Oh, buy oh, buy thirty years worth of food. It lasts forever. You know, just right. put that in your basement, and you're good. Well, that is a way to do it. I'll, I'll admit, I got some MREs in, in the basement. Sure, I mean, it's not to have some of these things. But you know, some people, say, oh, you know, I, I got this straw you can suck through water that'll clean it up, and I got I got thirty years worth of food in the basement that I I had that water too, and we'll be fine. Okay, that that that's one way of doing it. Um, self sufficiency, you know, it's the ability to supply one's own needs without external assistance. And that isn't necessarily, say, ones. That doesn't necessarily, you as an individual or the Lone Ranger, that may be a group or a community, but it, it's the ability to, to, to supply the need. It automatically assumes that you're going to be accumulating, or I sure wrote it differently, making things of intrinsic value. And that doesn't necessarily, oh, that may be some gold and silver you're keeping on the side, but that means that you're, 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 you're making um, uh, things that are, that are going to be valuable and long-lasting to other people. Not as going to know necessarily food, but that's what first comes to mind. I think the biggest differentiation between the two is you're creating the ability to replenish, not just accumulate. Yeah, I thought it was a great distinction because I don't know if I've heard that before from anybody but you. Maybe I don't know. I don't think I have. And but when you see when you hear it, it, it strikes you because it's it is an important distinction to make. And, and like you said, there is some overlap. As a matter of fact, I thought your second point there automatically assuming that you you automatically assume you accumulate certain things of intrinsic value. There is a little bit of prepper in the self sufficiency guy. He likes the idea of having extra tools around, or having the spare batteries, or having you know a, a way to generate uh, clean clean water. Let's say so he's going to have some prep items. But his real goal is different, and that is I want to be able to produce the thing, not just have it stored in a closet. Uh, and I think that's an important distinction because, um, it, well, it helps you pick your vision a little bit. It helps you say, you know, you can be only a prepper. Like I said, my my preparation right now, between self-sufficiency and preparation, I'm probably 80% prep and 20% self-sufficiency. Or no, I wouldn't even give myself 20%. 11% self-sufficiency. I got my fruit trees. I got my chickens. Um and that's about it. I mean, like, I don't have much else I can say, hey, I can produce some food. I just got a little bit. Um, 
but I do have a lot more storage stuff. So it's kind of a vision and it kind of helps you scale where you want to go. Um, I think, I think Dan would agree with me. Isn't Don't you think more people need to move into more self-sufficiency though? I, I think they do, and I mean, I, I think there's some very basic things which you know we don't get to them today. We can discuss you know next time about what people you can do and you should do, and and there there are things that that again it's really going to depend more on your circumstances, and you know people have personal reasons they want to live a certain lifestyle, certain you know economic or or family obligations or whatever. I mean, again, you whether you're living in a big city or you're living in a garden apartment. I mean, there's only so many things you can do, but there are things you can do. And beyond you know, you're you're going to see probably more a preparedness uh methodology. Yeah. You are living in, you know, and 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 whether and whether you've chosen that or not to live in a, in a certain mindset as opposed to going out, and, you know, and having 10, 20, 30, 50 acres. Well, you know, you know that's going to be um, so. So Molly, check that one down. So Dan, you know what I think we're going to do in a future show too. So, so we don't have to be speculative about if this, then that, and and uh, whether you made that choice. We're going to actually say, okay, urban dwellers, and we're going to deal with the apartment guys and the small condo people, and we're going to and you're going to give us, you know, their best bet for you know, surviving uh, any type of cataclysm. And then we'll go to the guys who actually have the ability to own, let's say, an acre of ground, and we'll do the one-acre homestead, and then we'll go to the five acres or whatever. I just want to I want to build it out so no one can say we didn't address them. Um, but I also don't want to do it in such a way where we go, hey, it depends on your circumstances. I want to I be able to get to the exact circumstance and talk to it, and I think you could do it. I agree. I think that'd be a great, great approach, and hopefully it'll be beneficial to a lot of people. And uh, you know, I look for feedback. Again, I there are a few things here. I think I'd say yes. I go to consider myself a subject matter expert, and there's other things like, yeah, I've been reading about it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, there's, and then, and of course, some of it's going to be based on a certain amount of opinion. But uh, sure, I, I think it, I think it'd be a great conversation for a lot of people because it's starting to become real, my friend. I think more and oh. more people are. To understand that, absolutely. And you have, you do study history. You know what goes around comes around. Yeah. Well, we got a few minutes left here, Dan. So instead of jumping into the next thing on the on the on the uh, outline, which we'll do next time you come on, which is basically deciding on scale, which I think would be very important for everyone. If you're an apartment dweller and you're dreaming of a 500 acre farm, you might be taking a bigger jump than you want. So Dan can help you talk about scale next time. Um, and, and what that really means. But what I want to ask you is, what is your scale currently? Like, wh- so how much do you have, and what do you do on your farm? Yeah, well, we have, we have 35 acres. Um, it's actually in two different pieces. There's about a 20-acre piece, uh, or a 25-acre piece, and there's a 10-acre piece that's a few miles away. And, again, that was kind of those false starts. Uh, I probably could have, uh, could have, should have said this as an example uh, where, where, you know, we only had so much resources and so much money and, you know, and, and, and back in those days where we live in Jersey was when things were starting to, pass. that's when the McMansion started taking off. Oh. So you have, you know, you know, you know, I look back as they would be back then, you know, what the prices were then versus now, but that doesn't matter. You know, the, the prices are what they were and your income was or your resources were what they were at the time. Right. So we started buying some of these pieces and I said, well, it probably wasn't the best approach. Because you know, I got you know, you have pieces that are you know, I got two things that are, that are three miles apart. Yeah, ride it back and forth. So, yeah, but we have the thirty-five acres. Um, since my children have grown up and left, we've scaled back a little bit in that I've taken some of the property and I've leased it out to a young man. So he's doing hay on it, which is good because it provides me some of the hay. Very good. You know, but we'll, so you know, but we're still you know, I'm growing some fodder for the animals. And mostly right now, what we're doing 
other than on a, a you know, when it comes to the, the, the horticulture side, it's more of an, on a kitchen, a kitchen's garden basis, you know, where we're doing herbs and, and enough stuff to, to, to grow and to can and to freeze and to, for our own use. And, you know, enough to give away or take to St. Benedict Center or, or a mic event if we, you know, want to share. But mostly we've got, we're concentrating on raising the animals. So, like, I, I, again, I had scaled back for a number of years there, and I was doing a lot of traveling and, you know, my wife not even being here most of the time. But when things, this spring, I, I, I went all in again. So, I mean, we're up to, I just, I just brought home another 50 chickens last night. So we'll do about, depending on what I do, you have three, 350 chickens this year. And, and surprisingly, people are buying them. I, I, don't even have, I only have a couple in the freezer. People have been buying them. Wow. Uh, you know, pigs. I went out and got five pigs. And, and, you know, a month after having them, people are calling me, you know, word of mouth and friends and people like you to know or somebody says, hey, you know, I heard you have pigs. I said, I'm sold out, brother. You know, you want to list for next year? You know, I'll I'll put you in. You know, we've had the sheep for years, uh, ducks, uh, quail. I just started. You know, I've done a little bit of quail. They're easy. Eggs mm-hmm. are uh, again things you can talk about. People with small, small. When we get into talking about small uh, uh, venues and small uh, uh, acreages or or, or uh, ability to keep animals, quail are a great one. Yep, uh, and they're really tasty too. Uh, <laughs> no, that I mean, this this is fantastic, Dan. I, I'm really looking forward to starting this series. You want to do this like maybe on a monthly basis? You think that'll be enough? I think. Well, uh, yeah, certainly. I think that would. I think that would be good. And then, you know, we we kind of kind of outline what we want to do for the next. And you know, like I said, I, I like to I like to get my mind wrapped around it so I don't sound like a total idiot. So we you know we can, can kind of define you know take a break this schedule you know this this outline into a little more detail on a, on a specific topic like you talked yeah. about it. And, and we'll approach it like that. And I mean, if it, you know, people have feedback. And I don't, I don't do Facebook. I don't do Twitter. I don't. I don't even do the chat room. You might see me in there once in a while, but quite honestly, I, I uh, it's not any kind of disparaging remark to anybody out there. It's like, I don't know how you do it. I'm more of an admiration or an awe. <laughs> I, you know, I'm, I'm working all day. I mean, and, and number one, I, I don't have time. The, the poll. I always say the poll. I say you tell me you're working all the time. How do you do all do this stuff in the chat room? Yeah. Number one, I don't. I don't have time. You know, you, you glance away from it for two minutes and you're lost. Yeah, I always and feel. You, like, a, you know, I always feel bad for people on there. You know. <laughs> Uh, look, there, there's two or three, or there's two or three or four or five going on. But I'll just tell you this: whenever Mike asks me, "Hey, did you hear the show this morning?" and I have to confess that I didn't for whatever reason. And there's always reasons. I mean, it's either I'm homeschooling or I'm teaching a high school class or I'm working for a living. Uh, if I turn on, I might get 15 minutes. I might get 30 minutes, and then, like you said, if I had the chat room too, I mean, I'm really like this morning was the first morning in a long time I got in the chat room for about I don't know 15, 20 minutes, and on listening to Mike. Because uh, I wanted to be able to you know talk about his show a little bit when I got into my show, but it is extremely difficult for me to do it, and so I get it. I guess. So, I mean, however, if people have questions or want to talk or whatever, I guess I can you know get my email out there or something. Or we want to find a way if anybody wants to strike up a conversation. But for me, you know, doing everything else, you know, I I actually got to work on time today. I fed most of the animals. As soon as I get done with you, I'm gonna go finish feeding the animals and wash the eggs and stuff. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. Well, you know, I, I bet I'd be more than happy to you know talk to people and see hey, what they're doing. Hey, Molly, that's hey, things. Molly, that's another that's another topic. A day in the life of Farmer Dan. To put that one down, a day in the life. So wait, you know, from sun up to sundown, we were going to hear what Dan's life's all about. And I'm sure it's not the same every day, but but a typical day would give you a sense of 
how much can you do hobby-wise? How much can you do divided life-wise? How much do you need to go all in? Uh, that would be a good topic. All right, Dan, listen, this has been awesome. I can't wait to do this more. Uh, thank you for coming on. And, we, look, guys, we only got through about half of the, uh, of the outline. So there's a little bit more of these general things we're going to get into. And then we're going to start in these specific topics. And if you don't want at that point to become self-sufficient, it's because you just are too ornery and hard-headed to do it. <laughs> so I will call you out. Dan's not going to call you out, but I'm going to call you out and say, look, I want if you want to be in my trade association, you got to have something to trade, you suckers. Now I'm going to have satsumas and oranges. You better bring something to the table. All right, there you go. Dan, thanks for coming on the show, man. I really appreciate it. I had a great time, Dave. I look forward to the next time. Thank you. Beautiful. Take care of yourself, brother. All right, this this Bristol Farmer Dan, and uh, he is he's killing it, man. I tell you what, I, I just love you know you know what it is. You know what it is. You know why Dan's so smart. You know you know why you when you listen to him, you want to listen more. I, I get the same reaction to Salatin. I get the same reaction to Franklin Sanders. Uh, my new guy David Morgan's getting kind of that kind of uh, feedback. Uh, Dan Mundy now is because. They have wisdom. You know why they have wisdom? They have wisdom because they got their hands dirty. They actually got down on the ground. Whatever job they had to do, they did it. They learned something, and they learned both a positive, meaning they, they succeeded, and they learned a negative, which is when they failed or messed up or made a mistake, and that gave them a little wince of pain. Like, oh, that wasn't so nice. And that that's what gives you the wisdom, and all of a sudden you say, man, uh, I want to be more like that, don't you? That's why we have on the True Money Show our own little homesteading, self-sufficiency, now series with Farmer Dan Mundy. 844-527-8723. Sam comes in and says, this topic finally brought me to the chat, the chat room. Love hearing David and Dan. Thank you for advancing this topic. You're welcome. So uh, I don't know. Is that a new chatter? Fantastic. So um, I'm glad... This is the topic that got you in. Apparently, like Dan mentioned that right before he got off, you heard him say people are starting to realize. I don't know if he finished his sentence, but they're realizing, oh, my, this whole uh, festival of America that we have where you know, there's food at every street corner and all you got to do is drive in there and drop five or 10 or 20 bucks down and get your sandwiches. Maybe that won't always be that way. Uh, I think people are starting to realize that too, Dan, and that's why they're starting to come to this uh, this new idea of, hey, how did, how did grandma and grandpa used to do it? 844-527-8723 is how you call in. I'm David Simpson here on the True Money Show, 844-5-Crusade. You can email me. I haven't checked the email in a while. David at tffco.com or brand spanking new and Mike made for me about three weeks ago. True Money Show at crusadechannel.com. And then you can also join, as Sam just did, um, he, Sam Farms. I, I'm looking at the message just now. It just popped up there. I farm as well in central Pennsylvania. Uh, like here, uh, live, or no, I guess it's like to hear like-minded people. Uh, well, so I, that's great, Sam. Um, one day when, Sam, when uh, Farmer Dan is back on, why don't you call in and give us your experiences? Maybe you can. you two guys can sharpen the steel between your your uh, individual wits and witticisms. All right, that is awesome. Uh, so now I actually have a series on homesteading, which I'm now very proud of. And I have a series on, of course, I always do gold and silver, but I also have a series on uh, homeschooling. Man, I'm going to become the home away from home radio broadcaster. That's my new title. 
Thank you so much, everybody. All right. Let me, you know, I want to go back real quick to uh, the digital currency issue. I told you it's coming to a town near you, and I recommend moving, not actually physically moving, just resisting it, just not going along with this. If you want to play the game like, oh, I'm going to speculate on Bitcoin, see if it goes to 20000 I don't care. Go ahead. That doesn't bother me. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm saying that when they, when they come to push this thing on you, the, the, the Fed coin, the cryptocurrency for the world, um, you, you, need to stop, you need to not do it. Don't go along with it. You may have to in some respects because you may have to buy your groceries that way. I don't know. Again, if we don't if we don't get this parallel economy set up soon enough, we'll we'll probably have to still buy some groceries from the giant corporations that are that are killing us with bad food. But hey, um, but you know, I want you to talk about money real quick. So we used to have control of our money. You know how they were called coins and they were in our pockets, and so we had we had absolute total control of our finances. And guess what happened? Somebody convinced you, you know what? If you put that in the bank, we'll give you a little piece of paper that represents it, and then you don't have to carry it around. Boy, what a big burden that was, carrying it around, right? So what they do, they now control the value in the bank, right? They're coming soon to a theater near you is control the transactions by a ledger. They're calling it distributed ledgers and Ripple and Ethereum and blockchain and all this stuff. They want to know Every transaction. And now start thinking through this. Why? Why would they want to know such a thing? And why is the government so so bound and determined to bring it to you in their very own version? Well, it makes sense if they know every transaction going on, besides being able to trace whatever you own, they can get more revenue. Ah, tax every transaction. No more cash deals. No more side deals. No more things under the table, as they say, that always sounds so scandalous. Yeah, pay the man. Okay? And they also want to control one other thing, and that is this, that this debt economy is a complete fraud. This debt economy is they've stolen from us our entire lives, and they continue to do so by inflating money. And so they don't want you to know that you've been defrauded out of most of your savings for your entire life. And so before it goes kaput, before the bubble blows up, they offer you this, hey, we have a brand spanking new way of doing it. Why don't we just do crypto? Hey. So I will say one more point on that, and that's this. Some say um, that all these changes are just the tide of history. A lot of Marxists say that. That we have to do this because it's just a natural progression of mankind, you see. What? Stealing from people? That's the natural progression of mankind. Defrauding people out of their wages? That's the natural progression of mankind. Taking their value so they don't control their, their financial lives, but someone else does. It can hang carrots in front of their face and bait them away from their, their real livelihood. That's the natural history of mankind. I don't think so. I don't think so. So I think we need to prepare for an alt economy. I really do. And we better get to it. And now you know. Now you know why Farmer Dan is on the show. 844-527-8723 is how you call in. I am David Simpson here on the True Money Show Crusade Channel, the last live radio station standing. Stand now more than ever. You need to understand the importance of saving money. But Grandma said I could use this money to buy whatever I want. Okay, next please. Go on, Stanley. I got a $100 check from my grandma. And my dad said I need to put it in the bank so it can grow over the years. 
Well, that's fantastic. A really smart decision, young man. We can put that check in a money market mutual fund. Then we'll reinvest the earnings into foreign currency accounts with compounding interest, and it's gone. Uh, what? It's gone. It's all gone. What's all gone? The money in your account. It didn't do too well. It's gone. What do you mean? I, I have a hundred dollars. Not anymore, you don't. Poof. Not anymore, you don't, Stan. It's gone. Well, you know, I, 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 that came to mind. Little Stanley getting jacked by the bank came to mind when I came across this article. Thanks, Granny. Money quirks, good or bad, can be inherited. You know, little Stan went there. His grandmother said he could spend whatever he wanted. But Dad said, now more than ever, son, it's important for you to learn the... Value of saving money. <laughs> not, I'm, I'm, like, I'm not knocking dad there. I'm not knocking saving money. I just, little Stan had one idea. Everybody else had something else for him. So this is an article by Aaron Wood from October 8th. Aaron said, says this, thanks, Granny. Money quirks, good or bad, can be inherited. She said, dad was a spender and mom was a saver. My parents, Depression-era babies, kept a jar of dollar bills behind the fridge for when the banks crashed. My grandparents were immigrants, and in our family, home ownership is priority number one, no matter what the interest rates or other debt you have. She says, haven't you heard stories like these? I mean, who hasn't, right? I've heard this my entire financial career. Um, these are the stories we hear for people to justify or to maybe run away from um, whatever money issue is in front of them. So let's just say maybe they had penny-pinching parents, so now they're spendthrifts, right, because they didn't want to be as uh, frugal as mom and dad. Uh, maybe they had um, you know, the gambling grandfather who you know, threw away a fortune of money, and they go, that's why we save every cent. We never let a nickel leave the house without being monitored. This is the kind of stuff that I deal with, right? And so is apparently Aaron Wood, who's a CFP. So like short tempers and a sweet tooth, money habits are at least in some part inherited and influence our behavior. I agree with her. I think there are two main ones. Now, I could go on a lot of different inherited traits, but if I want to put them in like major categories, I would do this. The first one is depression era thinking. Dan and I were talking about this, former Dan. Uh, this one is just now starting to go away, but literally – the Depression grandparents or parents passed on to their children this idea of cash on the barrel head, everything you should save, 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 and then dump it on whatever you want, but you never get into debt, you never leverage, you never spend money, you don't have, whatever, okay? That's just, like I said, just starting to fade away, but um, it's there, and the problem with it is, is that these people uh, don't understand monetary policy. They don't understand. They, they haven't read good books about what's going on with our money since they were Depression-era kids. Um, and I know that sounds strange, but there was a change to our money. And that change to our money means you got to change your tactics a little bit, but we won't get into that today. And then the second major one is what I call the me generation. And this is the crowd that um, this is in full swing now. And this this is the one who says, man, 
you kind of leverage yourself up to your eyeballs. I mean, if you want it, you buy it. Don't wait till tomorrow. Do it today. Spend, 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 spend. Have fun. Uh, go for the gusto. This is the only life you've got. And uh, he who dies with the most toys wins. That's that's their philosophy. And you run to that more and more and more and more these days. It's hard to tell them why to save or how to even be prudent with money. So she goes on to tell the story of her poor, hardworking parents and how they kind of push her into college so she could be a little more independent than they were. Apparently, they were like teenage teenagers who got pregnant and, you know, whatever. It was an you know, interesting, interesting story. I won't cover the whole thing here today because I'm going to run out of time. But then she says this. This is how she now finds herself. I find myself comfortably financially. So this is the girl. This is the daughter of the parents who were had a really tough life, right? And they push her to college, and now she. this is her life. I find myself comfortable financially but living well below my means, afraid to part with money. I have a decent four-bedroom house and a car I plan to drive until the wheels fall off. I rarely eat fast food and would take, and would rather take a few small vacations a year than a single audacious one. My financial life could be different, but the invisible script I absorbed growing up tells me to keep it simple because, quote, you never know. Now, I... Now, by the way, this wasn't this isn't really depression era parents, but these this kind of fits the mold of the depression era types, which would tell them save, 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 don't ever spend money. So that's why she has part of her life is this frugal, frugal, frugal mentality. But look at the fear. She says, just this this innate fear, you never know, like what's coming. Now we all have that fear, right? But look at what the faith is in. What what is the faith in that's going to allay those fears, right? The faith is in clearly in money, like some, somehow or another, this pile of money at the, at the checking account or at the savings account at the bank, no matter what comes her way, is going to fix her problems. Do you really think that's true? I don't. So I always try to counsel my clients, watch where you put your faith. And if you think it's in money, you got to start readjusting your thinking a bit. So then she goes on to say this. Um, she uses some kind of pseudo-scientific approach to figuring out your financial par- uh, paradigm. What I would say is this. Don't worry about trying to figure it out too much. Just you know you know yourself. You know if you're frugal Fanny or spendthrift Sam or anywhere in between. Or you know if you have irrational fears about it. You know, you know this better than anybody. This is what I would say to you. Stop focusing on it. And by it, I mean money. Look, money is not an end in itself. It's a medium of exchange. So clearly you're going to give it away at some point for something. And if you focus on it as if it's a sterile, got to stay where it is, singular position, like I got to have my pile of money, then you're going to drive yourself nuts. Okay, money has a purpose in your life, but it ought not be the purpose. Okay. Um, All right. So remember I I gave you the little thought of the day, father's fortunes. He laid them around and nobody nobody remembers where he laid them. That's a way to not make money be the purpose in your life. So she finally goes to an example, and she calls her Jane Spendthrift. And I thought the example was worth kind of maybe quickly running through. Um, We're covering an article by, who is this lady again? Um, Erin Wood, thanks, Granny. Money quirks, good or bad, can be inherited. I think it's true, and I think a lot of us have them. So here's a typical person, she says. Jane Spendthrift's grandparents were immigrants. They worked seven days a week and counted out their paychecks to the nickel. Then, okay, so that's her grandparents. Then Jane's father went in the opposite direction. 
spending much more freely. You see, it does kind of bounce back and forth like that. The frugals raise the spendthrifts, and the spendthrifts raise the frugals. Anyway, because they see the damage that can be done in the two extremes. Anyway, he married a woman whose Depression-era parents also pinched every penny, and she ended up with a similar reaction to her upbringing. Jane's parents embraced their baby boomer identity with new motorcycles, trips to Vegas and Disney, tossing a token amount in savings with no plan at all. Okay. So from her grandparents, Jane learned that a penny saved is a penny earned. From her parents, Jane learned life is short and he who dies with the most toys wins. So where does Jane end up? She finds herself working extremely hard. She stresses out about finances constantly, and she leads an imbalanced life to keep her books balanced, yet never finds herself able to build lasting wealth. And then she goes and say her short-term stress relief is spending. So notice she's a scrutinizer of pennies. She's scared to death to spend money because she's got to know she's got to save, 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 save. And then when she stresses out, she goes on a spending binge and she spends Benjamins then, right? So try to, what do you call it, penny-wise, pound-foolish? You try to save every penny, but then you spend hundreds of dollars at a time just out of stress. So Jane discovered, she says, that her she's sandwiched between her grandparents who treated money with nervous solemnity and her parents who flaunted it with, a little, with little thought. Her relationship with money is complex and evasive. I agree. And here's, here would be my, my recommendations for all of us. We don't come into this world really without this somewhat of an inheritance, if you will. Your parents taught you things you don't even know they taught you. They're just sitting there inside your soul. So there really are inherited traits about money. And for many people, this is the strange thing. It's ignorance about the world of money. I, I, I've probably counseled, oh, I don't know, just dozens, maybe hundreds of people who at the end of the day just said, I really have no idea what I'm doing. And it's because my parents had gave me no idea of what they were doing. But from this ignorance, I found that they make rash and strange and sometimes really stupid conclusions that they draw out of their ignorance. And they, they seem pretty attached to them, too. So they're talking to a financial advisor for the first time ever in their life, and you start kind of giving them some ideas of what you do, and they go, I won't do that. <laughs> it's like going to the doctor and, he, and you're telling him, no, you can't, you can't operate me on that way, doc. I want you to, I want you to do it a different way. Um, happens all the time. Sometimes these bad ideas that they have get passed around even as guru financial advice. I hear this a lot. I hear, I hear financial advisors that really aren't financial advisors at all. They're just radio personalities. I'm not. I'm actually a financial advisor who does this for my church and the Crusade channel. But I know lots of guys who are radio personalities that pretend to be financial advisors. And they give really some really bad advice sometimes. But no, they're a guru because they're on the radio. Um. So don't listen to all the bad ideas that are floating around there, guys. Maybe talk it out with someone and see whose ideas are a little more compelling and who can even be pro- – the ideas that can be proven. At the end of the day, there's always going to be stress. Stress remains because we have an obsession with money. We do. I think America more than any other country probably has the biggest obsession with money. But I want you to think this way. You control your money and your response to it. So why not take charge now and forget about the quirks that Granny pass along to you from her Depression-era days? 844-527-8723 is how you call in. I'm David Simpson here on The True Money Show. 
I've got a few minutes left. I'm, I think I might be able to get it. Well, uh, I better answer my financial question today, too. So I'm probably going to have to skip my last topic of a real-life in real-life case. But if I have time, I'll get to it. But here we go. Yeah, thank you. The guru is coming up. Thank you. Um, you have a few minutes to call in if you like here on the True Money Show Crusade channel, last live radio station standing. Don't forget the Fiorella, Fiorella Files, brand spanking new, coming up on after my show. So don't turn off the crusade just because one of your favorite shows, probably not mine, one of your favorite shows ended. Stick around. Listen to it all day long. So this day in money history, I told you I couldn't find a good money topic, so I just have three birthdays. October 14th, 1644, William Penn. You remember William Penn, the English philosopher, Quaker, and founder of Pennsylvania, was born in London, England. Also on this day, 1890, Dwight David Eisenhower was born. Thank you for sharing my name, Dwight. Uh, 34th U.S. president and, uh, of course, World War II general, was born in Denison, Texas. And then finally, another birthday, October 14th, 1927, Roger Mole, Roger the British actor, the saint and James Bond, was born in London. He died in 2017, so it was that night, yes, 90 years Roger Moore populated this little planet here. Um, so uh, I like Roger Moore. I, you know, some people have their favorite James Bond, and you know, you got to pick one or the other. I guess I kind of hit James Bond in the era when Roger Moore was James Bond. And I just always thought he did a good job. And then I heard somebody, oh, man, he sucked, man. It, it's got to be uh, Sean Connery only. You know, and then I hear the new ones. And, oh, no, it's like the new guys. I, I thought Roger Moore did an admirable job as James Bond. Hate me if you want. All right. I did it. Do, 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 do. Well, yeah, I am a guru. I admit it, Paul. Okay, you can call me out on these things if you want, but I'm just telling you, there are certain gurus. Now, I'm actually not a guru, G-U-R-U. I'm a goo, G-O-O, ru, R-O-O. You see, if you make fun of being a guru, you're not really being a guru, you see. That's that's what I mean. Okay, uh, I asked a question today earlier, and once again, no one wants to take me up on it. I know what happened. Y'all also just enraptured listening to F Farmer Dan that you didn't want to answer my question. But my question was, what have you added already to create greater self-sufficiency, if anything? And if not, or even if you have done some things, what's on your agenda? And uh, once again, my good buddy Miles, Miles wrote to me. Well, I, I did a lot of Miles wrote to me uh, email to answer the financial question today. And he said this, I fear I am, a f I am so far behind on doing anything to create greater self-sufficiency that I can't say I'm anywhere near self-sufficient. Well, you know what I'd say to that, Miles? Join the club. I mean, we're all behind our society. Look, our society creates in us an over-reliance on systems and corporations and everything else, and we get darn well, I mean, I wouldn't even call it complacency. I would call it... Uh, dependency. We're, we're just sitting here going, oh, I don't need to do anything. I'll just, the hamburger will just show up magically at my doorstep and I'll just munch it down, right? And so when we when we get in that position, do you think we're going to do anything uh, to plan for bad times? I don't think so. So we're all behind. Don't fear, don't feel, feel bad or don't fear it. Just say, you know what, tomorrow's a new day. Take a step. He says, a couple of things, though, I have a good supply of the tools needed, shall we say, to hunt, oh, I see, yeah, to hunt small and large game. Uh, the problem would be traveling out of my little fishing town to find the game. I also have a good supply of fishing equipment, reels, poles, nets, etc. 
which I am better at than hunting anyway. All right. Um, to that point, I'd say this, Miles. You've got the bare necessities covered, right? You have some ability to get food, which is one of the three and only three things that we are promised from God, which is food, shelter, and clothing, right? He gives us the necessities, and we could get that anywhere in life just by walking outside and finding it. Most of us don't think of it that way, but it's true. Um, I mean, you can wear leaves as clothes. They're just not the best clothes, right? So then he goes on and says, um, so we might be able to survive a couple of weeks on fish alone until my gas runs out, and then I would have to borrow someone's kayak. Uh, I don't know if this helps us fish here or not. Um, okay, then he goes on to some family issues that I'm, I'm not going to bring up. So, so um, you know, thanks, Miles. Thanks for the, for the insight. And I think a lot of people are, are in exactly your circumstance. And what I'll say is this. <clears throat> After listening to Dan, I think I fall much more as a prepper as I told you earlier, than, than, <clears throat> than self-sufficiency. But I'd like to move towards self-sufficiency. So I have acquired some things, but um, like Miles, I think I'm, I'm well behind where I ought to be. Now, that gives me some sense of despair, but I also feel like I'm kind of stuck. I don't have the time to add more, meaning try to be more self-sufficient, especially all those things like having to wake up to feed all the animals. I had more animals, I'd have more time to commit in the morning. I don't know if I can get it done. And I also don't have the resources to either to buy a piece of five acres, let's say, or try different things and keep failing until I get it right. I don't have those resources. So I think um, I'll have to really revisit just the time, the plans, the commitments that I have currently so I can dedicate more energy to what I think is necessary, which is this self-sufficiency thing. And I think a lot of us fall into that category. We're just waylaid by everything we have to do. So until then, what I recommend is you keep the faith and you keep the fight. Because ultimately, God's going to work all this out for us, and we just got to be faithful during that time. Guys, you've been listening to the Crusade Channel. Last live radio station standing, True Money Show. Stay tuned for the Fiorella Files that will be up right after this show. And keep on listening to the Crusade because... There's no other independent press around. I'll see you next time. to do but just buy pretty presents for you money burns a hole in my pocket how I wish I had oil wells in Texas